groupthink, hive mind, sheeple. Or perhaps you're more comfortable with a new term popularized on the Joe Rogan experience by Dr. Robert Malone. Mass formation psychosis. The idea that a mass of people could be captivated by a false propaganda message from their government to act against their own best interest. Despite the popularity of this idea, psychologists have pushed back on the good doctor. In fact, J. Van Bevel, an assistant professor of psychology and neuroscience at New York University, said that he has never heard of a concept called mass formation psychosis. In short, there is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. busyness going on in the new year with our lives uh, that caused us to take a little bit of a week and then I got the good old COVID that Omicron variant so I had to take a little bit of time off as well there to uh, stop coughing into the microphone so that you guys might be able to appreciate the episode and also put that out there you might uh, take with a grain of salt I apologize if I ever do cough into this mic today because I am still kind of lingering with that cough on my end but with that this new chapter our long break in the new year we wanted to take a moment to look back at some shit that happened back on January 6th, we're going to revisit the Capitol riot, the insurrection, the greatest travesty in American history. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. It's a, it's impact on us and the uh, maybe not the cause of the division, but the way that it has shown us the face of division in this country. Um, and we're going to highlight a couple different narratives that we found throughout uh, surrounding the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Yeah, we're really excited to be back with you guys. Thank you for bearing with us with our hiatus. It has been um, really busy in both of our lives. Then Logan got the coves and uh, with the newest uh, data showing the uh, of COVID, if he coughs into this microphone, you're going to want to take your earbuds out really fast because COVID is shown to actually spread. Oh, Jesus, we should have started the episode that way. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not wearing your mask right now, please put a mask on, whether you're in your car or have your earbuds in. We want to make sure everybody's staying safe out there. Absolutely, because COVID does transmit through sound waves. And wherever you might be listening to this, you are at danger if Logan starts coughing. We're we're really excited to be back with you guys. We're excited to be back in the trenches. So just a couple of little housekeeping things before we get going. First and foremost, our sponsor. In a shakeup with the Lorenzotti Group, we are discontinuing our partnership with them. And we will always wish them the best in their future endeavors. 
However, we are very pleased and proud to introduce our newest sponsor and also friend of the mob, Public Hangings for Pedophiles. PHFP is an organization who is dedicated to the fight against human trafficking. We've had Mr. Hangings on here now for three episodes, and we're honored that they would support this podcast in this way. So each fiscal quarter, they make a donation to an organization that is active in combating this particular evil. So if you want to support their work and you want to support survivors, go to ph-fp.com. Again, that is ph-fp.com and buy some of their dope merch. I have some shirts. Excuse me. I have some of their shirts. I have a couple of their um, little uh, little patches on my plate carrier. And uh, whatever you're into, you should have some of their uh, gear too. So in all of that, go to publichangingsforpedophiles.com, ph-fp, and support them, help support um, the survivors, help support the work that all of these really cool organizations are doing. And in turn, you also help support the show, Public Hangings for Pedophiles, turning awareness into action. And then the second thing is that the Sovereignty Network has rebranded itself as the No Kings Network. It's a little bit easier off the tongue. Um, I think it delivers the, uh, the message a little bit clearer. So if you are a content creator interested in teaming up with us, we now have four official members. It is this podcast, Liberty Uninterrupted. Break the state and also our dear sponsor, Public Kings for Pedophiles. If you're interested in joining the No Kings Network and adding to the coalition, you can find what is it? It's on Jamie's. It's somewhere. Ah, uh, uh, shit. I actually don't even know where you could find out like the little pamphlet that Jamie created to fill out. So I'll figure it. I'll figure that we'll out. We'll get on that. But uh, just reach out to any of those networks we mentioned there. Shoot, shoot Matthew a DM. Shoot Jamie a DM. Uh, any of those guys can at least get you in the right direction. Uh, we're all kind of running this thing between all of us in the same way that our podcasts are all run out of our guest bedrooms and and uh, back offices. It's the uh, same thing with this, the No Kings Network. I almost said Sovereignty Network again. Uh, but the No Kings Network, guys, we're just looking to change the world a little bit. One opinion, one heart at a time. Uh, we want to help people understand that they can live a freer life, a happier life, and that they don't need the overarching reach of the government to look over their shoulders at all times to be daddy and to take care of us all. We can live a volunteer uh, consent life. We can all get along with each other, have good things and stop uh, sending troops all over the goddamn world to murder brown people. Here, here. I love it. Okay. Yep. So that's the No Kings Network. Um, And that's kind of all I have on housekeeping. So shifting gears, um, we wanted to take a different approach to this episode. Instead of just summarizing what we do and don't know about this event, not to just parrot how many other thousands of podcast episodes, hundreds of news articles, et cetera, et cetera. We wanted to use January 6th and some of the recent data that has come out in polls um, surrounding this and COVID to use it as an example to show how the bell curve has now become a barbell, right? And so just to elaborate on that, when you look at, um, when you look at uh, any sort of like population disbursement, when you look at data, it tends to follow a bell curve in a lot of different ways, um, where you have a lot, where you have the vast majority of the data falling like right in the middle, and then it starts to uh, shrink, uh, it starts to shrink as it, as it ticks down towards both ends. Um, I think that when it comes to modern American politics, the, the, bar, the, uh, the, the bell curve has become a barbell, where you have both sides 
have a massive amount of people and support, and it tends to really drop down in the middle. And it this last episode of like January 6th and all of the, the mainstream narratives and all of the, the talking around it really highlighted something to me that I hopped on with Logan. And I was like, I think that this is what we should probably launch 2022 with. And it shows me that the two sides of this country seem in irreconcilable irreconcilable. Sorry about that. I'm all tongue-tied. Um, and that our national unity, especially when it comes to these critical events in our history, shows that um, our national unity is dead. Yeah, it's definitely in danger. And, and I wonder how much of that, I mean, there's still, I think that bell curve exists in a lot of areas. I think there's that uh, same tendency on both sides to kind of misunderstand what it means to be in power at the moment um, in the same way that people will clamor for freedom uh, and liberty and, and these unjust laws being out of the way on the right. Uh, down here in Texas, I just worked a shift uh, slinging drinks at the bar, couldn't serve anybody till 10 a.m. They got to have food on the table before that uh, and can't have a drink by itself until noon because Jesus is watching on Sundays, I suppose. But it's just this idea, kind of demonstrating that idea that even though they will clamor for not having these ridiculous government controls in their life. If it's something that suits them, we still have a problem with people who will just go right back to, yeah, absolutely. We should force everybody to have the same opinion as me because that's the popular opinion in my area. Uh, why would everybody not want to have the same opinion that me and the majority have? Uh, and you would think people would be more sensitive to that. I mean, that's an issue we've always <laughs> kind of pointed out in this country that the large majorities running everything is this terrible nightmare, right? It's this horrible uh, fear. I think sometimes that that's the diversion. They want you to think of that because and certainly there are injustices that the majority will project onto the minority. Um, but the greater injustices that are here within our lives today are those things that are funneled through the, uh, the bottleneck of centralized government. And that allows mm -hmm. that very, very small minority that's sitting behind the curtain uh, deflecting this attention from themselves to actually be oppressive within our lives. Um, but Matthew's right. I think that we're entering a, an era where uh, politicization and fear around uh, COVID especially has, has really geared uh, the fear factor up to see the riots that we've had um, as a result of that uh, unrest and, and fear in the nation. It, it causes people to become more polarized. Uh, we, When we get afraid, we start looking for the strong man around. And that strong man's typically either whatever neighborhood you're in, it's either on the far right or the far left. And that's the guy that's screaming into the, the megaphone that when everything's good at your house is a psycho. But when things are starting to hit the fan, you start looking at that guy and going, maybe he has a point. Maybe I should start listening to him. Uh, and I think that's a little bit of what we see here is as our nation enters an area of uncertainty uh, and disarray, that it's causing us to politicize ourselves farther and, and ultimately exacerbate the problem, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to build on that. There's a really good book that was just released um, January 4th. Uh, the title is The Next Civil War, and it's from a Canadian author, Stephen Marsh. Don't hold it against him that he is a Canuck. It is actually a fantastic book. And one of the more interesting little data points in that book is he was talking about uh, how long families spent at Thanksgiving together pre and post Donald Trump's election. And in um, the, I guess it was November of 2016, I think, yeah, November of 20, wait, it was 15 and 16, I guess, or maybe 16 and 17, because the election had already happened, but Donald Trump wasn't quite president. I'm not sure which one it is, but regardless of whichever data set, if you're comparing 15 to 16 or 16 to 17, the average American Thanksgiving was 57 minutes shorter. 
um, than the one past. And I think it just goes to show you like how, how great that divide is really happening. And I think that when we look at January 6th, and we're just going to use this as like an example to really try to highlight this, that you get two different narratives existing around this episode, and the middle seems completely dead, like in most things in American politics, right? And this is um, this is a problem, because it shows, though, how everything, like Logan was saying, has become extremely politi- politicized. And it's going to be really difficult to create a cohesive narrative for um, moving this country forward as a whole. Now, I know that a lot of people and myself, and I'm going to, I I won't speak for Logan included, but I'm not necessarily like attached this idea of a singular national narrative, right? I, I think the federal government is, um, has overplayed its hand. I believe in localism. I believe in local politics. I believe in caring for your neighbors. I believe in securing your community, right? I, those are things I believe in. I do not believe in federal governments. I don't believe in state governments. I think that those, those entities are dead and they're on their way out. Now, how they decide to die, I think is going to have a huge impact on our lives. Um, but regardless, I think that um, when it comes to this this uh, this realm of different narratives, I think though it is important though when when we can't even agree on what's happened. And I and as somebody who got their degree in history, I, I also understand that history is not cut. It's not cut and dry. It's not neat. You can't really put it in a box, right? There is room for interpretation. There's room for for different data sets. There's there's different room. There's there's room for a conversation about it. But when you enter this realm that we've entered when it surrounds January 6th. It's like, there's two radically different narratives and the two are, uh, you can't, you can't reconcile the two together, right? They're, they're so far apart. And I think that that only just kind of shows the highlight. Um, it shows to highlight that we've entered this, this death spiral as a country, so to speak. Yeah. And to your point there, it feels like, uh, and obviously most people would consider us radical supremist as anarchist over here. Um, but I feel like that's a a misrepresentation of of what we're seeing. I feel like we're the kind of middle opinions that we're sitting here saying, why would anybody have this much control over your life? Let's just let it go. What's going on here? Why, why is it in my perspective, what we're watching is and left and right aren't even the right terms because they're not really truly left or right. It's Democrats and Republican sentiment holders that are pulling for control both are pushing for the government to expand so that they can have more control over the other side right and force them to live the life that they see fit and it feels like we're in the middle looking at both sides going why is it that any of us think we have control over the way any of us live our lives uh and then it's you know funny to be seen as the radical in that situation when it's like both of you are vying for the the ring to see who gets to take over the the evil kingdom while we're sitting here saying why don't we just throw it in the volcano and get (laughs) the temptation out of the way here um, <coughs> COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> COVID coming through. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I think that that's, uh, just kind of crazy to see these narratives spin out of control and to see very little of the middle ground where, when I think of January 6th, I think, well, a bunch of dumb dumbs went to the Capitol and wasted their time and probably got themselves some criminal charges. Uh, and on the other side, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of glad the federal government got some kind of pushback. I think it's healthy for a government that's running out of control. I don't think anybody thinks the government's doing an awesome job of providing a great living. You know, how's, how's everybody's health insurance here in the U S still tied to your job. So you guys aren't happy that we don't have universal. The guys on the other side, aren't happy that we don't have a hundred percent free market 
uh, version of it. We have this terrible system that's somewhere in the middle. Nothing seems to happen there. Uh, so at, at some point you're like, what are we, we have a side that's completely lost it over here who thinks this is the worst thing that's ever happened. This is an attack, terrorist attack on America. And we have another side cheering this on when in reality, it's like nothing really happened that day two sides went up and spurred each other. And that's kind of what we should draw out of this. And it is wild to uh, be demonized by either side. When you have that middling opinion, both the right and the left in this country think you're an absolute lunatic for having that opinion. Right. It's, it's crazy how quickly you, you become like public enemy number one when it's like, well, both of you guys are idiots and no one should have this control and you and everyone's overreacting, you know, and I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, and that, that's a good way to like uh, dive into some, some statistics. And so Logan and I are going to try really hard not to get like lost in stats and numbers here, because we did a lot of research for this and we pulled a ton of numbers for you guys. But at the same time, we'd also just like, you expect us to be us, right? We're going to be on topic, but also off topic um, a little bit of both. And I think that's why you guys keep coming back to us but when when january 6 comes up it seems like people have like one of three reactions at least in my um at least in my experience right it was either the most horrific thing that they've ever seen since 9 11 to complete indifference which is kind of where i i fall in um it's like ah okay cool people yeah it's like a bunch of dummies got fooled by donald trump to think that like trump's gonna save this country and so they're gonna storm the capitol and for what like all they did is evacuate the building come back hours later and certify the votes right it's uh, like i don't even know what their end game was if they weren't going in there to like literally like have and the we'll get into that. in the insurrection you know yeah. i don't and know we'll what... get into that a little bit later with some of the findings that the fbi came out with this but it, it does kind of look like there really wasn't a plan <laughs> It's just yeah, a bunch of groups that were throwing a fit. We're going to go throw a tantrum in front of the Capitol. Uh, and then a couple of brave ones pushed through the doors and everybody just kind of followed through like sheep. We, we tend to, to like to follow the crowd as everybody Choose knows. Your fighter. <laughs> there's a, there's a word for that. It's uh Oh, it's mob. Uh, it's uh, the mob. Yeah. You know, something, <laughs> something about like against the mob, why we don't like it. Something, something like that. And then the third reaction is just like either happiness or, people wish it would have gone further. Right. Um, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, it's like, it's a shame they didn't go in there and string them a ball by their necks. Um, and so this is some, there's some really interesting numbers though. Um, and what I took away from this and what Logan took away from this is probably not with like the average person who is reading this poll took away from it. And this is a Washington post, um, a Washington post post published at the start of this year showed that 34% of Americans or one in three believe that violence against their government could be justified. So when I hear that number, I always think of like the scene in Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those up. The fact that two thirds of Americans believe that violence could never be justified against their government absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That and and let that sink in for a moment. I we probably could have let it breathe a little better, but think about that. One third of Americans think that the situation where you might need to use violence against your government could exist. So more than half the people in this country don't think there's any situation under any circumstance according to this poll for you to propagate violence against your government. I mean, can you guys think of any governments throughout world history that might have been problematic and maybe needed their their citizenry to stand up and not just follow orders? Because uh, the classic nope. one that comes to my mind would be Nazi Germany. I mean, what if Hitler's in charge? Do you think there's no justification for that now? Or even a generation, a president ago, how many people were freaking out in this country about Trump? What if 
that Capitol riot had succeeded? What if they had taken the Capitol, uh, the dude in the Buffalo hat was secretly a genius and he knew how to pass over the power of the government and take over the military. <laughs> the military decided that they were going to back these guys. Uh, they read through the tweets of that day and they saw the, the light and how brilliant these people were who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And they decided to back them. And now you have Donald Trump coming back in as president. Do you still think there's no reason to use violence against your government at that point after clearly so uh, election was clearly stolen by this right wing despot? It's crazy to me that nobody could conceive a situation where you might need to perform violence against your government. The world history is nothing but tales of oppression from government on people and histories of heroic moments where people either escaped their shackles or tore them down and murdered all those people who were running their lives. Right. So it's insane to me that there's just no, it's this weird cognizant dissonance where you can believe that you're just the good guys. This is Star Wars. We're the rebels. There's nothing bad going on on our side. This the, It's the, the dudes with the red lightsabers versus the dude with the blue lightsabers. It's like, how can you possibly have that opinion is outrageous to me in my mind. It makes me want to shake people. <laughs> no, it really does. And that is one of those things like I, I try really hard to understand where people come from and get in their shoes and understand their thought process. But that one, that one is like, I cannot understand the two thirds um, majority on that one where it's like, you're telling me that it's never justified. Right. And I was even reading. And so a lot of this, um, so Michael Smirconish did a segment on this show on January 4th, leading up to the anniversary of one six. And I listen to Michael Smirconish pretty much every day. Um, not because I particularly love him, but I'm really fascinated to understand what acceptable mainstream moderate viewpoints are being talked about, right? Like that is his whole shtick. Smirconish for independent mind, Sirius XM. I love this audience because you guys are free thinkers, right? Like there is a, but it's actually a really good insight into what like your quote unquote moderate independent American thinks and all of the callers that come in and all of the, and all of the people that vote on his polls, right? He's got anywhere from, uh, you know, from five to 9,000 people voting every day on some of his polls, right? So it's a, it's not a huge sample size, but it's a decent number like an insight into at least what like people that would deem themselves to be moderates whether they be blue red or purple sign on to and when in listening to like some of the some of the callers who called in after that segment or reading the youtube comments of uh, that particular segment which of course we will link in our show notes for all of you guys to watch it it blows my mind how many people have so much faith in the system, in the institution, that they say that, well, by the time that violence happens, the institution has broken down far far beyond repair. And, you know, it's... Right. People will even put up with a corrupt institution to an extent, as long as you're still putting food on the table and they're not stealing too much from you. Right. Most people will put up with it as long as everything's going smoothly. You know, the, the protection money, if it doesn't bankrupt you, and it actually protects you and the infrastructure is good in your neighborhood, you probably just look the other way when the mob shows up. It's not that big a deal. It's when this stuff comes into disarray, like you're saying, you don't, you don't push back the first day when they're moving your protection money from 10 to 12%. You go, come on, guys, this is, what are we doing? But when it goes up to 33% and 40%. the mob, uh, the mob printed extra money to put out into the streets so that your money is not worth as much money uh, on the back end of that. So it's more than that, even more than 36%. Uh, that's when people start to go, Hey, what are we doing here? Why are we paying this money? It seems like you're actively working against us at this point. Mm -hmm. 
all all well all good points um which was also really interesting though about this study is that this number um the 34% number is up 13% um from the mid 90s and once again those are rookie numbers. We got to pump those numbers up. We, you, we've got to pump those up. Uh, but what was what I think what was really interesting, though, is um, following up on the Washington Post, and this was a collaboration with the University of Maryland poll, um, they did an open-ended question and they asked all of those who responded yes to this survey, right? So all of those of the 34% of Americans that answered yes, violence can be justified against their government. They asked under what circumstance or what situation is it justified to take violence against the government? The highest number in there was 22%. And it was when government takes away rights, freedoms, or oppresses the people. On a side note, when Smirconish was talking about this particular group, he said something that really caught me off guard that I did not expect, even from him. And like I said, uh, no love lost here if you want to badmouth Smirconish. Um, he said that those who answered this sound conservative or Trumpian, and to which I was flabbergasted that anybody responding to like, yeah, violence is justified when your government takes away rights or freedoms and oppresses the people. And Mr. Independent Moderate himself goes, mm, sounds a little Trumpian. Sounds pretty Trumpy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it was the language of that one uh, that got him more than anything. It, it does feel like something. I also wonder, too, because uh, do you know if they could vote on multiple reasons? If you said yes, could you say like all one. of the above? So you did pick one. Yeah. So I one. think. I think that's uh, maybe even an encouraging number to me, uh, because what it shows is that that's kind of the lowest common denominator on this. All the other ones seem to be something a, a bit more up, you know, um, other than I guess the one of them that I can see on here is 13 percent for violations of the Constitution. So maybe that would be the the one threshold less than oppressing the population uh, and taking away your rights. Um but the, the other one on there at 15% was uh, no longer a democracy or a military coup. It's a pretty obvious one. That one's really over the lines. <laughs> I can see why people vote for that. So to me, it was uh, I was kind of encouraged to see that at least people whose headspace was that there is a time to have violence against your country, that it didn't take uh, an open coup for them to have those feelings. That It was as simple as, well, if the government is no longer uh, able to provide the function that it is supposedly invented to provide to you, then that's enough for us not to have a government anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, it just it just does blow my mind though that um, that one that you would consider like violence against your government um, when it's taking away rights or freedoms that you would just like lump that in with Trumpian right because that's and that's one of those big misconceptions I think that people have about it's like. Donald Trump was no savior of the republic, right? He was he was just he was just as evil and is just as much a threat to freedom and liberty as the establishment was. And just another cloak though. And so yeah, many Trump, people Trump was going to have plenty of things that hampered your life that allowed you not to have a free market economy in the way you wanted to that were going to be th- he was going to free up markets in areas where he has businesses that were beneficial to him. He was going to close markets in other areas where it was beneficial for his dollar uh, where he already has a monopoly in those areas. Why not? Why well, he doesn't mm-hmm. want other competitors breaking in. Those are the kind of things you see from politicians. We can all uh, conceptualize this because there's no politician that makes less than double the salary that they're paid while they're politicians. They all walk out of their rich as fuck rich. because they're corrupt as fuck. They're out there shaking hands and, and kissing babies and greasing wheels so that they can make shit tons of money and you're fucked. 
Yeah, in 2021, there's actually this. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to see if I can find this. Um, if I do, I'll post it. If I don't, just just take my word for it, or don't. Right. Um, <laughs> whatever you decide to do with this information, uh, as you will. But it was the list of United States senators and congressmen who outperformed the S and P in 2021. And it was, a, it was a good list, right? There was like 56 of them and it was Democrats and Republicans, right? I know that mm-hmm. we all look at Nancy Pelosi and be like, well, shame on her. There was a lot of Republicans on that list. Everybody's like favorite. I don't know why the bootlicking for Dan Crenshaw is so high right now. That guy is, he's, he's a tyrant with one eye as far as I'm, I'm concerned, you know, it's like, c- congratulations. Like our tyrant can't see out of his left side, you know, but, but the people were just like, oh, Dan Crenshaw, Dan Crenshaw. But it's like Dan Crenshaw did better than Nancy Pelosi last year in his insider trading, you know. And so mm-hmm. the, the fact that it's like just to expound on what Logan was talking about, right, like these people, the, the system no longer like I don't understand how people can look at this and say, like, this represents me. This is good. And this is right, because all it is doing is there's there's no policy. American policymaking is dead. Right. There's the when's the last time that Congress did anything that you really approved of? And it's like, yeah, I really wish that they would end the filibuster so they could ram this down the throats of every American in this country. Right. Very few people actually believe that. And then besides that, it's like all the Senate and the Congress does is pay these people almost triple what the average American salary is. I guess it's double. Right? I'm not sure what what's the average. Was it? 52,000 was that the average American salary or 47,000? I'm some, somewhere in there. Yeah, I was about to say, I was going to say well, 49 ish. They pay them a hundred, they pay them $140,000 a year. So anywhere mm-hmm. from double to triple the average American salary to do what? To get richer off their insider trading. I to don't get know. Richer, right. And yeah. if you have any, any notion of maybe they're just smarter than all of us, they're, these are the people that run the country. They, they probably, why you wouldn't have dumb dumbs run the country. So naturally, they must be smarter than all of us. And that's why mm-hmm. they're able to do so mm-hmm. well in the stock markets. I would say maybe look at their record before they got into politics. And none of them are millionaires before they get nope. in there. You got to get into the club first. because That's when the big payoff comes. The big club and we ain't in it. Um, that's correct. Some other, some other like real quick little polls that I thought was really interesting. Um, a CBS poll showed the, it, it was what should Trump do now? And they asked um, all of the respondents, 62% said that he should not seek the presidency. 26% said that he should run for president in 2024, which also it's like a quarter of the people that actually respond to think that Trump should be president still gagged me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just like gross, gross, (laughs) open my mouth a little bit. But an interesting number, 12% said that he should fight to be made president right now. Which I thought was just like it was kind of wild. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that anything that like it's a large number, man. It's it a is. Large it's a crazy thing. I can see. I, I definitely knew there was a number there. I probably thought it was in the single digit at least. It's uh, kind of crazy to to think that there's that many people who actively think he should do something right now. He should seek out the help of the military to dispose this uh, false president <laughs> at the time. Is uh, it's pretty hook, line, and sinker, man. Some people just really got down their own ecosystem there. <laughs> That's it. And I think that the whole reason that I'm even like trying to, the whole reason that we're even talking about these numbers is to show you what type of world 
both sides are living in, right? Because I think that if you're listening to this podcast, there's a really good chance that you you believe in freedom, you believe in liberty. I hope that we are getting some like liberty curious people into this podcast, right? I hope that we are reaching some new um, some new new ears with it. But it 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 shocks me though that like if you add those two numbers up, it's 38% of people think that Trump should run in 2024 or that he should fight for the presidency right now. That's four out of 10 Americans. You know, that's a, that's a large number. At least four out of 10 that take polls on CBS News. Fair, fair enough. All right. But again, yeah. to that point, it is on CBS News. I mean, that's I, probably a left more left leaning crowd than a right leaning crowd. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I would guess so. I, I think that CBS, if I had to guess, it's probably like close to the middle. Um, but anyways, regardless, um, and then something that was really interesting, I don't know if Logan's had any chance to even look at these numbers. This is a relatively recent uh, Rasmussen poll. And I will say, though, before we dive into these numbers, please remember, right, that this survey is a small number of people. It was 1,013 people that were surveyed, and these were quote-unquote likely voters. So when we get into these numbers, like, please do not get hyperbolic. Please do not think that the, the world is ending. Please do not think that, you know, don't take these to their extreme conclusions because it is a small sample size of people. This is not a, a poll of a million people, of 10 million people. This is a poll of a 1,000 people. But I think that it is interesting to show you how the divide is widening in this country. And so in this recent poll that was just published on January 13th, 55% of Democrats in the survey would support the federal government or the state government to fine Americans who choose not to get the COVID vaccine. 59% of Democratic voters would favor a government policy requiring that citizens remain confined to their homes at all times, except for emergencies, if they refuse to get the COVID vaccine. 48% of, of Democratic voters think that federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly question the efficacy of existing <laughs> vaccines. 45% of Democrats would favor government requiring citizens to temporarily live in a designated facility or location if they refuse to get the COVID vax. And 29% of Democratic voters would support temporary re temporarily removing parents' custody of their children if they refuse to get the vax. Hmm. That is wild and especially alarming there. I mean, Y'all probably heard me have a little audible gasp there as uh, I didn't have time to look over those um, before we got to it because I was still reading Rasmussen and trying to decide how the fuck to say that. Uh, and I was, <laughs> um, But yeah, that's that's wild that people will. Um, I can even understand fear gripping you enough that you would think they should find people or uh, force people to stay in their homes. Um, where it starts getting crazy to me is right when they say uh, that if you question the efficacy of vaccines, so you're not even allowed to question the narrative or we should be sending you over into boot camp is pretty alarming. There's no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. There is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. Yeah, that is, uh, those are unsettling numbers for sure. I think it's crazy. I think people have this, inability to understand it's something we harp on a lot on the show i know um, but just because you're in favor of something you need to understand that if it's forcing other people you're setting up a precedent every time we allow something to go forward in this country you're setting a precedent for the next generation 
And by setting the precedent that if somebody doesn't take a vaccine that the government forces them to take or they should get thrown into a concentration camp, you're allowing a lot of power to this thing that could be under Donald Trump's control in 2024 or Mm -hmm. could be co-opted by some other psycho unforeseen unnamed in the future. Like you don't know who the president of these United States are. You should be able to to tell. I mean, if you're a, a hater of Donald Trump, you should be able to understand fully that this is a popular popularity contest. And that somebody can come swinging from the outside, make a big splash, and they could be the president of the United States. And it could be somebody a lot worse than Trump. I mean, you got guys like Kanye West made a pretty big splash just throwing his name out there. I might have voted for Kanye West over the uh, available options, that particular race. But, I mean, that that look at this man is uh, is losing. I heard he bought a, a house across the street from Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. now. And he's going to tear it down and build a big mega mansion. <laughs> and, he talk, and in his newest song, he talked about beating up Pete Davidson when he's taking out the trash. <laughs> like this man is deranged, right? Like, right. And that, that guy legitimately could win this popularity contest and be president of the United States. That sounds crazy, but it sounded crazy when it was Donald Trump, too. And every poll you saw said it was absolutely impossible. But that doesn't matter nearly as much as just grasping the attention of the, the populace. Uh, and I mean, you, if you can walk out into the street and feel like the general population is really with it and going to do an awesome job of voting for your next King, then you have more faith in humanity than I do personally. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, you nailed it right there. This whole like faith in faith in your neighbor. Um, and what, and, and I know that we've talked about this and we're beating the dead horse. So I'm only going to say it just one time and then we can just move on. But like what blows my mind about all of this though, is not that, through the last two years, right? We're on calendar year three of COVID, right? Cal- calendar year one was 2020. Calendar year two was 2021. Calendar year three is 2022. We are now in calendar year three, coming up on the second anniversary of the start of this pandemic. And the, the vast majority of people, it seems like, think that it is acceptable to want to control and dominate their neighbor. That is the thing that is really hard for me to stomach and hard for me to swallow. It's like, are you kidding? Like, how how have the last two years shown you that you should give more power to the federal government? How how has two years reinforced your thoughts on the Fed Man. And it being a good entity? You know, it's, it's just it's just, just me. I mean, you shouldn't even have to look at the the recent years. Let's just go back to we're still trying to get out of wars in the Middle East. Bush was the, the greatest demon that would ever capture the presidency before Trump came along, uh, if you were on the left. And it's amazing that people have forgotten that. It's like we just had 20 years, full lifetimes. There's children who go to war who weren't born when 9-11 happened, who mm-hmm. lose their life in the Middle East over there fighting for oil money. for The youngest companies. person that died in that Afghan gate attack. Right. So we had all of that intelligence saying like, Oh, there's going to be a, there's going to be an attack on the gate. Sure enough, there was an attack on the gate. The youngest person that died in that episode was born after nine 11. They were 18 years old. They were in a war that was started prior to their, there's like two years before their parents, like thought about conceiving a child. Right. Like, and, I don't know the circumstances. Even farther than that, they were in a war that predates their birth that was started and propagated on a fucking lie from the government mm-hmm. that tricked you into doing this thing that did nothing but devalue your dollar at home, make you pay more to fill up your gas tank, murder tons of brown children, women, uh, non-operatives within the Middle East, create mm-hmm. more radicals, gave 
Uh, more power to ISIS. They run the goddamn area again. Now that we've vacated it, it's just all Al-Qaeda now. Uh, we have nothing to show from it except that we've lined the pockets of those people that made the call for us to go into war in the first place. They're Thanks. all richer. We're all poorer, and a shit ton of people died. Yep. Congratulations, America. You've been duped. Okay, so moving on to duping and violence, it is time to hop into some specifics of January 6th. Um, I remember that like Logan and I did like a little shotgun audible last year where it's like, all right, because we hadn't done a current events episode yet. And we're like, this is probably worth talking about, you know, <laughs> um, after after you watch the Viking man with the horns storm the Senate chamber and like stand up there, and the, the dude walk out with the podium with a big old shit eating grin on his face. It's like, that's that's worth that's worth talking about. <laughs> it's a pretty big event. <laughs> that's a, but I listened I listened in on January 6th, the morning of um, to the speech made by the president and the vice president, I, you know, call me a slave to context, but I really like to know what these people are actually talking about, what they're actually saying. And Kamala Harris started her speech on the morning with just like the Solomon, frankly, insulting comparison, right? It's like, I didn't lose anyone in 9-11. I didn't, I don't know anybody that died in Pearl Harbor, but when you get quote, there are moments in history that live in our collective memory. December, and she says in her fucking nasally voice, December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2000. It's, oh God, I can't stand her. But anyways, <laughs> you know, she says December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021, right? Like there's some, the gall of her to equate a foreign attack by, by another country on American soil that killed 2,400 service members and civilians. And that 9-11 that killed 3,000 Americans to, to you know, and to compare that to an event that claimed a few lives is so tone deaf and is it is the type of bullshit that you can expect from the establishment today. And like the only thing that I know how to say, it's like that is those are people who are who are living so far up their own asshole. All they see is their own shit. Like that is the only way I know how to like equate that. Yeah, that's a big part of this, too, is the the language that's used. Uh, in describing this attack, I've heard it several times called the uh, the deadly attack. They're still saying deadly pre, you know, is, is a part of the sentence they use when they describe January 6th, the deadly uh, insurrection action. Um, I think it's also pretty telling here that they're willing to throw it up there with things like Pearl Harbor uh, and surprise attack against, attack. you know, American naval vessels that killed 2,400 people that thrust America into World War II. Right, right. Same, and same all thing. Of, same thing. Oh, yeah. Same, 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 same. Uh, but I, I think that is kind of telling it. We've we've detailed that many times on this show that the worst crimes you can commit in the society that will get you the most prison time are not against your fellow man, but against the government. That's what really brings the hammer down on you. And in their eyes, this is a, a little bit of them saying the, the quiet part out loud on accident. They are telling you to your face that this event where zero people died that worked at the Capitol that none of the police died on the scene that day. There's, you know, some injuries that that is every bit as bad as 3000 civilians that were killed in the 9-11 attack, because in their eyes, it is, it is just as bad. In fact, it's probably worse. Those are just peasants over there. We don't really care if the peasants die. That's just part of what helps this whole thing move. What's really America is me and my bank account and my stock holdings and tradings 
And that's what's important. And that's why this is such a travesty. They dirtied the carpets where I make all my money off these fucking peasants. And that is unacceptable for you to come in here and threaten my livelihood is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, here, here. You know, and it's one of those things. It's like the Capitol building. It's a beautiful building, right? Um, and unfortunately, at the end of the day, it's like taxpayer money has to clean all of that up, right? At the end of the day, it's like they t- they take your money to clean this up. But I just really wish that somebody would have taken a big old fat shit in Nancy Pelosi's desk. So it's like whoever the the poor aid worker. I, actually, I hope that it's like Nancy Pelosi like stumbles in there hoping for like a photo op, you know, of her office ransacked and she opens up her desk and there's just a big old steamer in there. <laughs> it's like, it's a, I mean, I, you can only you can only hope and you can only wish. But like when when they could to build off what Logan said, when they equate what happened on January 6th to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, they are telling you exactly where you stand. Right. Over there, that was a that's acceptable. Those are those are peasants. Those are ex- expendable numbers that we're going to put in a memorial. However, when you desecrate this capital, and at times though, you couldn't you couldn't have told you couldn't tell a difference between like a, a normal tour in the capital and that day, right? Because there's like the day when they break into the rotunda, they're like in between the lines in the little you know they're not even like outside of in the, the robes running. Yeah. they're just like walking down the nice and narrow little path that has been laid out for them you know yeah you, you would think that we could get the language right on this i mean we went through an entire year of mostly peaceful protests this is mm-hmm. a mostly peaceful insurrection there was barely wasn't. an insurrection at all hardly hardly and i mean hardly an insurrection at all if you really want to look at history and like what insurrections <laughs> actually are um some something that logan and i talked about when we were preparing for this episode is like this strikes me as a possible reichstag moment right and for all of the uninitiated, excuse me, you know, the Reichstag, there's, you know, the jury's still out, right? Because history is inconclusive. And I think that that needs to be said once again. But the main, the the accepted narrative around history is that the Reichstag moment was a Nazi operation that burned down their central, it's it's, it's essentially their version of the, the Capitol building, where the parliament, um, where their, their version of the parliament would meet, um, they burned it down and they the Nazis claimed a bunch of emergency powers after it, right? They they blamed it on a lone communist person. Chances are it's probably Hitler and all his goons set fire to it, put the fall guy inside. You know, I think that that's a very reasonable thing to assume at this point. But when I look at this, especially with like, you know, Logan and I did an episode on the domestic terrorism bill that was uh, that was introduced, or I guess it was a report on domestic terrorism coming from uh, the White House. And then even so recently of like of this year, right, they, the FBI is forming a new domestic terrorism task force. And I'm sure that there will be bills rolling through. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. I have not done nearly as much research on this episode as um, or this, this event in history as a lot of other people have to like track the movements and who's doing what, right? Um, but it just, my skepticism of history of or my my skepticism of governments that has come from my study of history shows me that we should probably have a healthy level of like our bullshit radar should be going off 
when they start talking about all of these measures that are needed to prevent domestic terrorism in this country. Right. And you're exactly right there. And I want to move a little bit next into kind of the media narrative around this. Um, But I think you're exactly right that this really isn't the same thing as the Reichstag moment in my mind, but it's sure as hell what the media wants to turn it into and what the government wants to turn it into because as we've demonstrated many times, the government's incentive is to grow its own powers. All the people within the government would like to have more power. They don't care if it's a Democrat or a Republican. When they're in there, they're both trying to push for more power because next time I get in, I would really love to have more power to do uh, more of the money-making thing that I like to do so much here in Congress, which is the whole reason I got into politics in the first place was to dupe all the fucking peasants. Um, but <laughs> like I said earlier, they, I kept hearing it said over and over as I was looking through uh, material and going like, what did January 6th? Every one of them uh, from the left-wing perspective says the deadly insurrection of January 6th, the deadly insurrection. So I thought that was interesting and worth uh, looking into. There is in fact, even a, uh, on the anniversary of January 6th, uh, Nancy Pelosi opened up the house Nancy floor. Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Um, she had a moment of silence for the fallen heroes of January 6th. And she names Howard Libengood, Billy Evans, Jeffrey Smith, and Brian Sicknick, who died. And she does say it in this exact way. She names those four names. And she says, and Brian Sicknick, who died from a later attack. So what she's not telling you there is that all of them died from later attacks. None of these people died on January 6th. So you can see this narrative. Uh, Howard Lindenbaum died of a suicide on the 8th after the event. Which you could Billy make Evans. the argument that maybe it did stem from what happened, right? I'm, this I, is fair. You can, you can make the argument that what they experienced as Capitol Police trying to keep off all of those thousands of people from murdering them was, was a traumatic enough experience that they killed themselves. I'll give and them that fair. one. And that's that's true for three of these guys because I'll there, them there is Lindenbaum suicide on the 8th, Billy Evans killed in the line of duty in a separate event, April 2nd. Uh, it was the dude Smith. who drove the, sorry to keep interrupting you. That no, was the guy good. who drove the car though, through the barricade, right? That's correct. And that was, excuse me. I said, Brian Sicknick was the last one. It was actually Billy Evans was the last name she said, uh, because Jeffrey Smith died also of suicide on the 15th. Brian Sicknick died from a, a stroke. He suffered, suffered on the seventh. So those three, I can see there is an ethereal argument to be made. You that can make the argument from the, the attack. So I, that kind of makes sense. Um, Billy Evans was killed on April 2nd. He was run into by an Islamic extremist with the express purpose of jihading himself against America. So completely different event had nothing to do with it. Um, which is weird because she had the rule of three thing. I don't know why she felt the need to throw in a fourth one. That was that, that ethereal. Um, but there were five deaths, uh, at the Capitol that day. There was one gunshot, Ashley Babbitt, right? Ashley, is that her mm-hmm. first name? Yeah, that's her. We saw that one. Everybody saw that clip. Uh, great world star hip hop material. Uh, there was one one died of an, a drug overdose. That's kind of on you. I think that's your own choice. I don't really think the uh, the situation who's doing, got so out of hand. Drugs that like <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> it's like somebody. I mean, if you really want to heighten the sense that you get, if part of the thrill seeking that you get from drugs is the anxiety part then that's probably exactly what you like um some people <laughs> like to do that some people like to take crazy drugs and go to dance clubs with 500 other people that seems insane to me that you want to be around all those people but some people do uh, and then there were three three deaths of natural causes um so when you look at those five deaths really the crowd was responsible for at most 
four and you're talking three natural causes in there. So you're talking about excitement, killing them. And one person killed himself. Are you talking so, uh, suicide? Is that natural cause? No, no. Is these are the sep- these are the deaths on the day of January. Oh, the actual five deaths on that day. Right. These are separate from the police officers that Nancy, uh, Nancy Pelosi mentioned. Um, but I was just bringing those up just to show the framing that they're using in the media here, where they want you to think of the heroes that died from the results of that day, even if those results weren't the attack itself, but things that happened well after, even if it was an Islamic extremist running him over with a car, uh, and that they want to label this as this deadly insurrection when the only deaths were civilians that were marching. They didn't kill. They didn't march in there and behead a bunch of congressmen or beat a bunch of cops to death trying to do so. They got a little physical. They pushed past some people, a bunch of, they did stuff they shouldn't have done. There's no reason for them to go into the Capitol building. A lot of them ruined their own lives in doing so as we're going to watch the FBI hammer down on them. But to label this as a deadly attack is, I mean, maybe accurate because there were deaths involved, but that seems a little hyperbolic to me. And it definitely seems like fear mongering. It's technically accurate, but it's not, you know, it's like, it's technically accurate, but it's not true. If that makes sense, right? It's like you can, yes, technically people did die that day, so you can call it deadly, right? But like, just what jumps out in my mind when we talk about like insurrections and deadly happenings against your government, right? I think of like the French Revolution, where the French are upset at the price of bread, and six months, and you know, like six weeks later, the king is dead. They're about to behead the queen. Six months after that, Napoleon's in charge, and like all of Europe's trying yeah, to that, kill France, right? Like when that I think insurrection, insurrection, pretty deadly, right? That's there. what I think of. I think <laughs> of like the revolutions of 1848 in Austria, in Germany, and France again, and in Italy, right? All of these these simultaneous but separate, like uprisings of their citizens trying to gain rights like that's what i think of when i think of insurrections i think of like the communist takeover of russia in 1917 that ends up with the czar dead murdered and the, the and now russia's propelled into a civil war for three years like those are the things that i think about when it comes to yeah, insurrections i think at the very least we should set the bar at to in order for an event to be deadly you have to kill more people than travis scott did at his concert <laughs> <laughs> Glad you enjoyed that one over there. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, uh moving on now to, to Liberty Talk. <laughs> no, but I, I think that uh again, I just want to show you guys the narrative behind this and, and what we're looking at. And the second thing I notice that we're seeing preached to us from the mainstream media when it comes to this is the patriotic language, the circling the wagons for these patriots. We saw Nancy Pelosi call them heroes. And I have a quote here. I could barely breathe. I had a job to do and we were not in the business of failing. We're going, no, excuse me, hold to hold. As I say, I missed a letter. We're going to hold this door at all costs, no matter what. This is the capital. We're not losing the capital. Not this day, not ever. And that's Romney uh, Kyle, the D.C. Metropolitan Police Commander. Um, so now, obviously, this is a little hyperbolic, and it sounds like a guy who's seen too many Braveheart movies, who's filling his, his oats a little bit in this moment. Um, but you can see stories like this all over the place in the media. And what they're really highlighting here is the tragedy and the, the sympathy we should feel for these government agents who had to, to deal with this situation in the day. And it, it was, of course, stressful for these guys. I don't want to diminish of course. The, the hell they went through that day. I'm sure it was a freaking nightmare to be in the middle of that. Um, but you can see the, the media is going to really do their job to show the 
patriotic nature that anybody who is in defense of this corrupt government that's taking all of your money and using it to murder people all over the world is a good guy, a patriot. And anybody that has a problem with government is painted as this terrible bastard of a person. And don't think that it's only because they were these people on the right side. If this was a flip situation and people on the left were marching because they thought the Russians stole the election for Trump again, it would be the same shit. They would be demonizing the people who were trying to take it away from their power, whichever side they saw fit to, to benefit. And they'd be demonizing the other side, just like they're doing now. Which blows my mind too. And it shows me that we're in the, the upside down as you've coined in several episodes past that it's the only explanation that makes sense to me because this is the same, right? Like if you have shown me on January 6th, like a clip of that day, it's like, okay, so you're telling me that a bunch of MAGA wearing um, red hat people are screaming at the cops and are trying to hurt them. And now the democratic establishment is talking about how these cops are heroes. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what just happened? What did, did I fall and get a head injury? Like, how did this flip? Because I swear two months later or two months earlier, it was all the red people that were licking the boots of the police. And it was, and it was the democratic establishment that was saying defund the police. But and those now are the areas I'm talking about where that bell curve still exists. That it's not yet a a dumb a barbell when you think about it, because those are the areas where people just have this cognizant dissonance that they can't understand. Mm. When it's the police are on my side today, it's incredible that anybody would ever want to fight the police. Could you believe these people are attacking police officers? When six months later they were saying we should get rid of all police officers, they're all bastards, there's no such thing as a good cop. They're just out here murdering black people. But because on that particular day, the police are doing what they want. It's the, it's this terrible tragedy to hit a police officer, to ever fight against a cop should send you to prison forever. As Ted Cruz called savages. them terrorists. Terrorist. And was I'm going to link this and I'm not going to digress too much into it, but I'm going to link the episode, uh, the, the little clip of Tucker Carlson and Ted Cruz. I do not like Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I think he's a smug little twat and he his face in half that clip just makes you want to reach out and smack it. However, I do appreciate him for grilling Ted Cruz. Um, I, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. So I'm going to link that. And if you guys want seven minutes of like watching a frat boy who looks upset at a, at another <laughs> frat boy, <laughs> then, then it's a good video. Tucker Carlson really does have like his resting people have resting bitch face. He has resting. Somebody just called me out for my fake ID college frat boy face. Like he's upset <laughs> at you because you don't know who his dad is at all times. And I, I don't know, something makes it very difficult for me to, to want to listen to him. But Matthew's right. That clip, that particular clip is pretty good because he is getting after Ted Cruz. <laughs> this, and yeah. I, I will give Tucker this as much as I don't like him. Uh, when Tucker is at least separated by cameras and able to go at you in his newsroom, he doesn't back down or let you have an itch. That, that man will go after you. Uh, so I'll give him a little bit of credit on tenacity, at least. Yeah, you got to give him where you got to give credit where it's due. Um, so moving on about like this whole like was this an insurrection or not, right? Because that's kind of the real question because this term is being used, right? It's it's insurrection, it's insurrection. These are terrorists. These are bad people. Um, I think they're misled people. I think there are a lot of dumb people in that crowd too. I think there's some people with some very malicious intents, right? Like the dude who's never been identified, who was in who was in full tactical gear with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of zip lo- uh, zip ties. You know, it's like I'm sure if that yeah. guy was given if he was given a chance to get a hold of some senators and congressmen, I'm sure things would have gone bad. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're all a bunch of idiots and they're all a bunch of dupes. I'm good. I will be the first to admit that there's probably some people with very malicious intent in that crowd however 
the FBI has found that, quote, this is not an insurrection. Yeah, and I thought that was very interesting, too. And, and the reason for it, they give the definition of an insurrection was it is an organized attempt by a group of people to defeat their government and take control of their country, usually by violence. Um, and the reason they found that there really wasn't uh, an insurrection in this particular incident was that they said, quote, 90 to 95 percent of these are one off cases. Uh, this is from the for former senior law enforcement official. Uh, with knowledge of the investigation, I guess he chose not to give his name. Excuse me. I was building up to say a name there. Uh, and the quote continues. <laughs> then you have 5%, maybe, of these militia groups that were more closely organized, but there was a, but there was no grand scheme, the Roger Stones and Alex Jones and all of those people to storm the Capitol and take hostages. Um, so basically what they found when they went through all the cell phone data and they were looking through the messages sent back and forth on these boards and stealing, uh, you know, the the stuff that Obama gave the government to do way too much research into your life on. Uh, they pulled all that information from the NSA there and they went through it. They were basically found that people planned to meet. They planned to march. There was very little people who planned on going into the Capitol and there was absolutely almost no uh, evidence of any kind of planned attack afterwards or any, uh, especially any decision to try to take the government over. Um, so therefore, it doesn't fit the definition of an insurrection. There has to be a motive, uh, a, a plan and an intention to take over the government. And the FBI has basically come out and said that there just simply wasn't enough evidence to think that this had anything to do with that, that this really wasn't a coup. It was more just a bunch of brats screaming on the White House lawn or the Capitol building lawn and, and storming it eventually. Yeah. And Logan said this the other day, and if I misquote you, feel free to tell me to shut up and take over whenever, but Logan had equated what happened on January 6th, like the right wing version of virtue signaling, where it's like you get all of these people who are out in the streets with like Black Lives Matter, those protests, right? There are people that have no idea what they're out there for. They have no business being out there. And then like violence sweeps up and they get caught up in it, right? And it's just a bunch of virtue signaling. And when he said that to me, it really jumped out at me. I was like, yeah, I've never thought of it, but it is because I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a constitutional scholar. I mean, I don't know what would happen if you get a hold of the ballot box, right? Do they have, I, I think they keep it all in like a big chest and they certify those votes, right? But I, I, at the end of the day, I can't understand, short of like literally killing a bunch of Congress people, what the end goal was going to be, right? Because if, oh, you get a hold of the chest, what does it do? All 50 states just send a new slate of electors and they say, oh, dang, they got the first one. We still have all of the results of the election. We're just going <laughs> to send those back to Congress. You know, we're going to certify the election again. You Maybe know they I mean? did uh, the old plan that we did several times in Spanish class in high school where you just like pencil in the, uh, you know, somebody distract the teacher and I'll change the grade book kind of thing. They're just going <laughs> to furiously go through there and pencil and paper and erase a couple Democrats and put in a couple extra Republican votes. Right. And it's like, and that's somebody that's find that goddamn Pennsylvania box right now. <laughs> we got to change it. We got to change it. And that's the <laughs> thing that like, I, I really have a hard time, like believing that this is an insurrection because it's like when the French people are really upset at the price of bread and they're outside the palace of Versailles screaming for the head of the king, they have, they know exactly what they're in there for. We're, we're demanding that you lower the price of bread or we're coming in there and we're coming with your head out. There is a very clear example or a very clear objective that they're working for. And I, I just can't wrap my mind 
around what the end goal was because at the end of the day, like what was going to happen happened. You well, got into the capital. They left. Look, right. Just look back at this, this year that we've had uh, in well, two years with all the black Lives matters. And we've really, really popularized marching in the streets and they watched an entire year of what they felt like was a political slap in the face and a loss in the culture war where the left was able to go out to protest and then later devolve into riots where they burned down sections of cities and the and media the turned to it and said it was mostly peaceful. Oh, it's just peaceful. And the Kenosha kid and all of that. So after that full year, <laughs> they had something where these people who were looking at that and upset that this other side was out protesting every day for something they thought was terrible, didn't make any sense or, or was at least misleading. And then they found something that was much bigger in their mind, something tangible and a stolen election. And they went, what did they do? They went out and marched because that's what they had seen the other political side do. And they wanted to, to escalate this It's the way these things go. People, when you blood, uh, blood oaths go this way, you know, you, <laughs> you take blood from my tribe. I take blood from your tribe. And that's why it never ends. They saw the left doing this. They wanted to do the same thing. So they went out and they marched and it got violent. Just like every one of those fucking marches that we saw over black lives matter as well. Yeah. And then, you know, so it, it to me is is just kind of a continuation. This is what we saw all year. So I don't know why we didn't expect the same thing to continue. It's a precedent that we've set that the the government's pretty cool with these riots going on. Um, Fair enough. And on that on that note, I, I guess it's time to kind of move into. Uh, hold up, hold up. I do want to say ahead. one thing though, real fast though. When we're talking about cognitive dissonance, I don't understand how the ballots for all of the other elections, right? All of the senators, all of the House seats that were taken by Republicans against Democrats. I don't understand how all of that was valid, but only the presidential um, vote was wrong, right? That's the that's the thing that I have a hard time understanding. It's like, but you guys are out here. It's like the same ballots that certified Mitch McConnell for another term also certified Joe, Joe Biden as president, right? So it's like, you got you, you gotta you gotta be consistent, and that's the one Which thing that I've yet to wrap my mind around. It's like, how can all of these things be corrupt at the presidential level? But they were they certified local, um, you know, like local elections. They certified state races. They local they certified congressional races in your favor in a lot of ways. Those are all fine, but as soon as it gets to the presidential election, there's fraud. That one uh, I've I've yet to be able to like wrap that one around my brain. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't even uh, think about that, but you're absolutely right to to overlook that it was only President Trump that nothing else really needed to be. Nothing else needs to be questioned. (laughs) No, 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 don't pay no attention to everything else except the presidential election. And that that might be a a snapshot more than anything of just kind of the ignorance of Americans uh, average political view where there's all these all these moving parts that have a huge impact on your life and, and get bills passed every day that take away your freedoms. And yet the only thing you care about is who's the the king, which monkey's got the crown on. And that's the one I'm worried about. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, these other monkeys have taken all your bananas away. Um, I did want to touch on, though, just, uh, of course, there are some charges that have come down from this um, already. Uh, and they will continue to do so. It, it basically said they I was trying to look up like what's going on with the investigation. Uh, and it basically just says to be continued is, is kind of as deep as it gets. I did find it very interesting, however, that the special committee uh, looking into the attack on January 6th, the uh, vice chair of that committee is Liz Cheney, um, who is the daughter of uh, your favorite American. Good old Dick, Dick Cheney, the daughter of Dick. 
<clears throat> I find that extremely interesting because here's a situation where we have the government doing an investigation to see if people rioting against the shitty job that the government is doing is a good enough reason to throw those prison people in prison forever as terrorists and never let them out. Uh, and that person that they decided to put in charge of it is the daughter of the person that lied you into 20 fucking years of wars because it benefited the government and not you as a person. It's just insane to me that we can like watch these family names come through that have bastardized America that did one of the, the greatest steps backwards in American political policy to send us into the Middle East for 20 fucking years and ruin so many lives and radicalize an entire area more so than it was before. Uh, and that person's the one who's going to be uh, the the guiding light in this situation to make sure you know who you need to demonize as an American. Yeah, it's also crazy too, though, the, the response, because uh, VP Dick Cheney, um, he either went to Washington or he put out a statement, right? And the Democrats welcomed him, right? Democrats were all about him. They they surrounded him. It's like, oh, good to see you again, Mr. Mr. Former Vice President, yada, yada. And it was the Republicans who were like, boo, you suck. And that's the <laughs> and that's the craziest thing about all of this that's going on. It's like that that we're in the upside down, right? Like establishment Democrats are circling the wagon about somebody who used to be um somebody that they demonized, right? Like Dick Cheney and George Bush were public enemy number one before all of this. And now it's like, now it's MAGA people shortly behind, you know, coming in a very close second is us liberty loving people. Right. You know, and it's like, shame. Yeah. Fuck me. Right. I'm a radical. I just want to be left alone. Shame on me that nobody should have control over my life and I shouldn't have control over yours. I thought you had gotten confused there for a moment. They gave me a major Mandela moment. I can't believe Dick Cheney's still alive. He is. No, Donald (laughs) Rumsfeld died. He died recently. He died in Taos, New Mexico. I did. Yeah, I did read that. The enemy was Uh, in the backyard and I had no idea. I guess that's the the thing that we should probably adjust for is that, you know, a human lifespan is at most 120 years, it seems. But lizards, (laughs) these lizards can, they can really last a long time. Reptiles can live a long fucking time, man. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, um, in anyways, um, 120 years that's ridiculous, dude. The average lifespan is like 75. You I, said, it on, I, I said, you said it on way too many. Years. I said at most, did I not? You said at most, but you said the average at most, you know, it's like I oh, think those are extreme. So, it's like the average person is going to get like 75 to 80 years. <laughs> excuse me, I did not mean uh, the average person lives to 120. Uh, Sorry, now, no, might. I'm just. Nick- now I'm just might. Yeah, he might because yeah, well, it's all that it's all that adrenochrome that he's <laughs> that, that, that they drink it in the basement of Comet Pizza. Um, so something that is interesting though, and we're just gonna keep on moving um through all of this stuff is that the FBI has leveraged, or I guess it's the DOJ technically, even though the FBI is a subset of the DOJ. The DOJ has leveraged new charges against several individuals, and these are some of the most serious charges. That we have seen right and so um this is this follows the arrest of mr rhodes um i had his first name written down somewhere but i don't see it right here he is 56 and in a major development in the sprawling investigation of the capital attack 
he and other oath keepers are the first to be charged with sedition amongst the 700 people accused so far in taking part of the assault, right? And so the Justice Department has brought forth a variety of charges in connection to the Capitol attack. It has prosecuted 275 people for obstructing Congress's duty to certify the 2020 presidential vote, it had, but it had not previously brought forth a sedition charge that comes with a much more severe legal and political weight and undertone that it carries um, when it care. Wait, sorry. And I'm just reading like a literal quote from an article, but it, it, but it has not previously brought a sedition charge with the political weight and political with the legal weight and political undertones it carries about an election in a highly polarized country, which I think is really interesting, right? Because sedition, that is one of those words that we all kind of like, ah, aiding and abetting the enemy, attempting to overthrow your government, sedition. That is what, you, but it's interesting though, that out of the 700 people so far accused and a huge amount have been charged, right? I mean, there's like 500 people have been charged with misdemeanors, like trespassing on federal property, right? There is some, there's, there's a variety of people that have been charged with like, um, you know, more severe crimes ranging from 18 months to right up to over five years. But to bring forth sedition, that is that is the escalation of the charges, which I think is also interesting, too, that a year later, out of all of the people that were in there, the DOJ just now leveraged sedition charges. And there's not that many of them. I think there's only like five of them. I would say it. it uh, that is one of those little white pill things that in all of the grotesque things that happen within our government and the prerequisites for them throwing people in prison forever on basically no reason on some trumped up to terrorist uh, charges exist and that framework has been put in place and that terrifies me. Um, I've continued to be surprised over and over again with the court system in America. It, it does seem to still kind of trend towards doing the right thing most of the time. Um, it's really encouraging. I don't know exactly what to attribute that to, but maybe we won't see them bring the hammer down. My expectation is that there are still going to be some pretty uh, rough charges come out of this from these people. Um, but it, it is encouraging. I was kind of of the thought when it happened immediately after that we were going to see basically all these people go to Guantanamo. <laughs> that it was right. That's be what I thought. Extremely too. ugly. Um, so it, at least they're slow playing the charges, and we'll see exactly what happens. Um, maybe the 2024 rolls around and they all get a pardon from uh, President Second Term Donald Trump. Yeah, but if he really was interested in like that, I saw a really powerful meme today, and it was this dude who was in prison wearing a MAGA hat. And he was counting all of the days um, saying that he's going to come like, and it, like the bubble was said, Donald Trump's going to come help me. And Donald Trump was like looking out, like looking into his jail cell with a big old smug grin. Cause I think that's it. It's like, if you put your faith in Donald Trump to come save you, you get what you deserve. I think that at the end of the day, it's like shame on you for having that little yeah. ability. Shame on you think. for idolizing anybody. You should. Yeah, I, I'm a. I'm big on that. We should not deitize anyone, whether it's an athlete or a person in your personal life. Or everybody's got their demons. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's done something bad, and everybody has the capacity to be put in a situation where they're going to make a morally corrupt choice to save their own ass. And it happens a lot, man. It's it is hard to be morally upstanding in the face of uh, fighting against your own incentive base. Uh, to choose the incentives of others over your own is difficult. And to to subscribe to somebody, this deity state, that they're always going to do the right thing, you're going to get let down. 
mm-hmm. and not only let down, you're going to get taken advantage of. You were a pawn in Donald Trump's overall political plan. Uh, you went in there and raised hell for him, just like he wanted to try to raise up some more bullshit uh, so that he's still relevant, so that he has a chance to run in 2024. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up right now the Viking warrior, what he was charged with. Yeah, you would um, think that gentleman probably he, didn't get one of the little ones. Let's see. So <laughs> ABC News, right? This is all just like blind reading. I have no idea what I'm about to read. Uh, QAnon shaman. Quote, <laughs> they call him the QAnon shaman. Pleads guilty to federal felony charge for role in January 6th Capitol riot. An Arizona man uh, seen sporting a Viking helmet and fur vest during the January 6th in- insurrection at the U.S. Capitol pleaded guilty to... F- pleaded guilty Friday to one of the felony counts related to his participation in the riot. Jacob, Jacob Chansley, self-proclaimed QAnon shaman. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, let's see. He pleaded guilty to unlawfully obstructing an, an official proceeding. Huh. The most serious charge in the government's indictment against him. That's actually yeah, it's not. That's actually not, not all that bad. The five other charges against Chance Chansley were dropped as part of the plea agreement that he entered with federal prosecutors. Um, oh my goodness, <laughs> he sentenced so said, November seventeenth, and his conviction carries a maximum sentence of twenty years in federal prison. Yeah, that's a pretty long time. But I don't think that he got twenty. I don't think he. I think he was sentenced to like. I think he was one of those people that was sentenced like right at five years. If yeah. I remember correctly, still, like, still a big chunk. Holy shit, through. dude. Five years in prison. It's a long time. It's it's cool. I'm sure to be the center of the Internet's meme buzz for a week. Uh, not sure if it's worth five years of prison or even three. I can't remember what his charge was. It was either three or five years. Um, I wouldn't give a day in prison for that. Not personally, <laughs> personally, Hold on. a day, 24 hours. Just to I be might, meme famous, I, I might give twenty four hours. <laughs> You're thirstier to be a meme king than I am, dude. But just twenty four hours. I mean, like, think about it. You're asleep for eight of those, so you really only have to survive for six. Well, you hope you're asleep. You might have a, a roommate <laughs> that wants your attention. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> There's some. I don't know if you know this, Matthew, but uh, some rough characters in prison in America. No doubt, naive, some, uh, some questionable me, company who's never, who's never even been arrested. So I, w- I wouldn't know anything about like what it's like yeah. to be in jail. I'm soft. I'm, That's the I'm, other disadvantage I have. I, I am a bigger guy, uh, but I do look like a cop's son. I've been told on several occasions. And I'm sure that doesn't play great in prison. Hmm. I would only hope that I just blend right in. Nobody notices me. I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah, I would know. I'm like, when it comes to that type of stuff, I'm soft. So like, you well, can't even pretty, give me like a, a pretty light skinned brother like you walking into that prison yard. You think you're not going to get noticed, Matthew? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it. I'm changing the subject. Back to this article <laughs> that I was reading from. Um, the charge of seditious conspiracy, which can be more difficult to prove, requires prosecutors to show that at least two people agreed to use force to overthrow the government authority or delay the execution of a U.S. law. It carries the maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. The last time federal prosecutors brought forth a sedition charge was in 2010 when they accused members of a Michigan militia group of plotting to provoke an armed conflict with the government. They were all ultimately acquitted. Interesting. Hmm. It's interesting. So, 
But it, but it, I guess the whole reason that we even bring that up is that the government has started to levy more serious charges, but we have yet to see like the domestic terrorist charge, right? We've yet to see like the Timothy McVeigh uh, condemnation. We've yet to see like these these more heinous acts in America. We haven't reached that, and the G- and I. I have no doubt that the DOJ has been searching high and low. They've been losing sleep. They've been pulling 18 hour days trying to prove that this is the worst thing that's happened in America since 9-11. And I just think they're falling short. Yeah, they definitely. And, and, you know, back to this kind of idea of the narrative, they're going to keep pushing it. They're not going to let go of it. And they have convince some people. I mean, there's some people of that argument that uh, friends of mine who are on the left end of the political spectrum that I, I will lightly bring up the thoughts of January 6th. I mean, it to them was a terrorist attack. I've heard that term used before. I mean, it, it gets that deep. Um, but yeah, I, I think for the, the common person, uh, the people, at least uh, obviously there's a, a large group of people on the right who are maybe even supportive of this action. Um, but I think there's also this middle group like me and you, hopefully that, that uh, bar in the middle of that barbell is a little thicker than our metaphor is. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who can still look at this and kind of go, I don't know, it seemed like a bunch of dumb people in the wrong place, uh, escalating things beyond what they should have. And, and it's uh, hopefully was a nice, healthy check for our corrupt government to realize that, hey, maybe uh, now that they're at our doorstep, we should start stay shaping up a little bit. Um, or perhaps it has the opposite effect, which does seem to be what's going into implementation implementation now, uh, which is they're going to pass a whole lot of domestic terrorist stuff. And they're going <laughs> to look to make sure if this happens again, that you actually do get thrown uh, into Guantanamo for the rest of your life and get waterboarded until the day you die. Yeah. It seems like there was, there was like this really good opportunity that came from that for us to have like an honest conversation. And I think this is, a, we have like a lot of different things. Um, I'll just say that we have a bunch of articles posted in our show notes. Please go look at them. Um, it's going to show you quite the divided narrative that has happened in the mainstream media, right? You're going to get that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to even places like the Wall Street Journal doing an op-ed saying that the Capitol right, the Capitol, um, that uh, the Capitol right of January 6th was the national disgrace, um, but it was not an insurrection, right? You're going to get a, a wide range of opinions and um, viewpoints if you go look at our show notes. But I think just for like the sake of the show, um, it's probably not worth going into all of all of these. Um, but I, I what what I wish would have happened when January 6 happened, you know, after that event, is I wish that we would have like sat back and had an honest conversation about like, huh. Is this the right way to go about all of this? Is it fair that all of these con- all of these um, contestations to votes, you know, is this how we process electoral vote, right? Like, like is it is it normal circumstance for people to be herded out of a building and to pe- and for people to pull out ballot boxes under a table and start counting votes, right? Is this is this normal circumstance? If it is, then we should probably change it, right? Like we had the chance to actually like do something really cool and constructive where it's like, okay, hey, look, I know that the Constitution says that this is when we have to do this, but this is such a heated election. Isn't it probably worth slowing down for a couple of months and figuring this out, right? Like, like mm-hmm. let, let's make this a bipartisan effort. Let's do recounts everywhere with bipartisan oversight of every single recounting district. 
And I know yeah. it's going to cost a lot of money and it's going to cost a lot of time. But at the end of the day, we're all going to be better for it, right? Isn't it better that Joe Biden is crowned President King on March 13th, 2020 versus, Zero questions. you know, versus, you know, just like ramming it through and having all of this and like, oh, this has been the most secure election in U.S. history. And how dare you Right? like one of those is not a good way to proceed. And that's the way that we proceeded, right? And we could have had a really good national conversation about, oh, maybe the, all the people that stormed at the Capitol were a little bit misfounded, right? They've been duped because Donald Trump is Donald Trump's a fucking idiot. And if you think that he's the savior of this United States, then you probably need to look in the mirror and have a long, cold shower about it. However, I think that throughout all of this, some very good points about our democracy has been raised. And we should address those points, right? Like we could have had this moment of like true national unity where we stopped and we stepped back and we said, hmm, you know what? This is probably worth a really hard conversation. Instead, we demonized the other side. We rammed through this, we rammed through the system, and we didn't let the process like actually work because. At the end of the day, it's like half the country believes that the, you know, half the voting population believes that the the, the president is illegitimate. And the other half thinks that the other half is domestic terrorists for um, contesting it. That is not a good place. And I think that because we didn't stop, and this is just like me looking in the future, I think because we didn't stop and take the time in 2020 to really try to reconcile all of these differences to really like hash through the election process that from now on, every president will become a polarizing figure. Presidents will no longer be a, a figure of national unity. No one's going to cry, right? The whole country is not going to unite and cry when JFK dies, right? Because if Donald Trump was assassinated, half the country would have thrown a block party. And if Joe Biden gets assassinated tomorrow, half the country is going to throw a block party. Gone are the days of national unity. And I think that presidents from here on out will be polarizing figures because we had because I think we blew a chance to like actually have like some national unity over a contestant election. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. I mean, it's, you know, people have that opinion of on both sides that you know Trump only won because of the Russian collusion and, and the other side that Biden only won uh, because of of the stolen election. Um, where, you know, people like us in the middle can look at it and understand that that 75 year old senile man won it based on his charisma. Uh, naturally, he got more votes than any American president ever. So it, it had to have just been simply his uh, polarizing personality. Um, <laughs> and I know you said, hey, it would be expensive. We can't go back and do this. It'd be, it wouldn't be nearly as expensive as one of those goddamn satellite tracked uh, missiles, satellite guided missiles that murders people in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of money we spend frivolously. Uh, this is one thing that would have been, and like you said, what were the options on the table? You have a population who is contesting openly the efficacy of your election process. So the answer to that, there's two roads. You can either make sure that this is 100% above the table. You can reassure them with uh, evidence. You can show them cameras of everybody recounting it. You can redo the the ballot counts and all that kind of thing and make sure that it's hundred percent right. And you can reassure them that, look, I'm, I know that you're upset, but here's the evidence. Uh, here's what we've done to, uh, you know, at the very least, even if you're going to ram it through this time, maybe the reaction afterwards would have been, why don't we 
put in these new safeguards. Let's make sure that everybody voting is an American citizen. Let's make sure that we have the correct counters in place that are not partisan, that this can't be bastardized by somebody who uh, is just some, one crazy person who's a red or a blue voter that can, can change that. Or you can go the other way, which is you can pass domestic terrorism laws so that you can throw people in prison next time they question the elections that you have. And that doesn't do a lot to reassure me that you guys have my back. I just feel like if I'm in a system where that is my government, it's a government of me, the people, by me, the people, us, the people are the ones who set up the system. So why wouldn't I have a system that's transparent to me as the people that would allow me to feel comfortable knowing that the person that I elected is the one in charge that if I'm going to have a king, a ruler over my life that gets to be that despot to control the narrative, the direction that this country is going, that at the very least, if it's the guy I hate, that I can feel like it happened fairly, quote unquote, if you're a believer in democracy, uh, rather than when you start to question the efficacy of this kind of thing and they start putting walls up and they start putting fences and armed guards in front of the buildings around Congress. And they say, we're uh, going to allow even more votes to be uh, mailed in and we're not going to require voter IDs. Uh, and we're <laughs> going to make sure that if anybody questions this, they get thrown into prison as terrorists. That is only going to exacerbate this. And it's going to make it so that there is never another president that gets voted in that we accept. Everybody's going to think every election from this point forward is stolen. That's from just here the, on out. It's what the situation is until we fix this. And I don't, I, and this is me being a little bit, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, a, this isn't even a black pill or a white pill. I think this is a gray pill. This is just a neutral pill. Um, I think from here on out, it just is what it is. And every presidential election is going to be so polarized that half the country is going to deem it as illegitimate. And that only is going to reinforce the death, the death spiral that we're in, right? That's the whole point of this episode is our national disunity, right? Unity of this nation is dead. And I don't think that it's ever going to come back, like short of short of the Chinese landing in California. And if, for all intents and purposes, they can have it, um, you know, as soon as they start landing, <laughs> they start taking the mountains. Now I'm a little bit more upset. But if you guys want to have Los Angeles and San Francisco, they can have it because those places are shitholes. But <laughs> besides the, that's shame on me for saying all of that. But <laughs> but the point I am trying to make. Is that. When we when we look forward and we look backward, the same thing's going to happen. We're going to look we're going to look back and say, "Huh, that's odd." I really wish they would have done something better. And like Logan and I are no huge fans of democracy over here. But if I was going to try to keep a democratic system alive, I would not have done what I would you know I would not have done what was done in the aftermath of January sixth. That is not how I would have approached the situation if I was actually if I was actually interested in making sure that democracy was alive and well and thriving and that people had faith in the institution and the voting system, right? Because that's all real, what it really boils down to. It's faith in the institution. And I think that that faith has been shaken to its core that it is now dead. And we're in the pendulum, right? We're going to swing left, yeah. we're going to swing right, and it's going to get more and more ugly. And I don't I, I don't say that as a white pill or a black pill, because I think uh, like, I'm, I'm in the mountains in Mexico, by all means, like what the federal government does has so little effect on me. And that's why I live here for a reason. However, it does bug me, though, because I would like to continue my lavish lifestyle. I like riding dirt bikes. I like skiing. 
right? I like riding my mountain bikes with lift access. I like all, I like electricity, I like water, run, I like all of these things. But I guess the whole thing is like, if this is going to come to a head, um, I really like where I am. I guess that's all I have to say about that. This is a weird yeah. side tangent. <laughs> no, I, I I'm with you there. It's uh it's nice to be in a less controlled area for sure. When you're worried about this stuff, hit the fan. It's uh it will be the city's first. It, it's not going to be out in the, the sticks for sure. Oh God. Um, so far away. God, God bless the military Colonel. That's like dead, like tasked with trying to secure this area. <laughs> Just God bless him. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be akin to like going into, the Viet Cong and, and running through those jungles. Um, no, I kind of thought too, when you were going through that about the way they reacted, it's like, I don't know, imagine somebody came up to you and said, Hey, did you take my wallet? What would your reaction be? It would be, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Here's my wallet and here's my keys and my phone. That's all it's in my pockets, maybe to reassure them that you didn't steal their wallet. Or would you go like, Hey, fuck you. I'm going to punch you in your fucking face. If you call me a thief, kind of, raises the suspicion about you and that's a little bit what it feels like our reaction to this country was from the state perspective was we're about to pass a lot of laws so that we can throw you in prison if you guys threaten to ever do this again and they did nothing at all to reassure you that these elections weren't stolen it's that there was a good reason it's essentially gaslighting yeah it's gaslighting the federal government gaslighted us in this whole thing and have been for centuries and centuries yeah I think that's a really good way to wrap up. Look, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'll let you finish your thoughts. No, no, no. That was it. I, I didn't know if you wanted to go into the, the Jimmy Carter op-ed since we've already run up about, about an hour and a half at this point. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we've, um, we're really happy to be back. Thus, our long-windedness, right? As you can tell that we've done a lot of research <laughs> into this episode because we wanted to uh, come back with some quality content for you guys. But no, I think there, we're going to post a lot of really good art. There's a lot of really good articles in our show notes please go check them out like if you're interested in seeing like the spectrum of uh yeah, i was gonna say there's around. some there's some pretty bad articles in there too but I, I basically just included everything i read i wanted to to make sure you guys had easy access to a, a wide spectrum and, and kind of saw everything i pulled from i i read some of these articles that i completely disagreed with uh but was interesting and even uh, useful to pull from them their perspective so that we could use it in this show just to kind of show what media is out there pushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a total of 14 links that we're going to post with this um, episode. So go, I mean, click through them, read them, don't, whatever you do is that's up to you, right? We're not, we believe in liberty and freedom so much that I will never dictate that you read the show notes. Um, you are free, <laughs> you are free to do as you wish. And we, if you want to discard everything that we've said, then I believe that you have the right to do so. But no, we're really happy to be back um, with you guys. We are looking forward to a much more consistent schedule in 2022. Um, that is one of our goals here on the podcast we are hoping to uh, really solidify our content coming at you at a more consistent schedule. We've got a lot of really cool things coming up in 2022. Keep your eyes and ears open for um, the No Kings meetup in March. Yep, that's right. We're uh, oh, yeah. we're getting a bunch of content creators. Um, the No Kings Network is going to all get together for actually the first time ever, right? Like Logan and I know each other in real life, but all of us do not know each other in like meeting in person, right? It's all been online. It's all been through the internet, which is one of the cool things about decentralization and the internet that you can, you can 
create some really cool things with people that you've never actually like sat face to face with, but uh, keep your eyes out open for that. Um, we're just happy to be back. Logan, what do you got? That's about it. I did want to say, uh, appreciate you guys hanging in there. This episode uh, apologize for all the times I did not make it to the mute button in time for my coughing there. I still am kind of flimmy uh, from a mixture of allergies and, and coming out of this uh, Omicron variant, uh, which I did want to say that at, at some point I am, uh, as a big Futurama fan, to catch the Omicron per CI8 variant uh, was kind of cool, at least. <laughs> well, I hope, uh, I hope it helps you sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a nice extended vacay, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Because you took a week off and we were supposed to record in that. And then, like, right <laughs> towards the end of it, it's like, oh, we, we need to get an episode out. Like, yeah, like, I literally I <laughs> took a week off and then I went back to work for one day. And the next morning I woke up with COVID. So I, I probably spent one day spreading Omicron around out there and then and uh, realized what I was doing. <laughs> super, super spreader. Super, COVID super spreader. spreader. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's about it, guys. Just uh, thank you all for your continued support. Thank you all for hanging in there. Uh, we're going to try to hammer these out on a more regular basis and uh, stop having you guys have to sit there and play the guessing game of when you're going to get to hear our sultry voices once again talk to you about liberty. A hundred percent. We are really excited. We've got some really cool episodes coming up for you guys. Um, so we're just pumped. 2022 is going to be a good year for the podcast. We're really excited. So thank you very much. Like Logan said, for your continued support, it was really cool when we did our end of year, you know, like Spotify does an end of year wrap up. Um, we were streamed in 57 countries, which I thought was really cool. We've been streamed. Yeah, that's in, wild, right? We've been streamed in all 50 states. Now, who knows? It could be some VPNs in some of those countries. You know, I'm 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 not above like acknowledging that some of you guys just may be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm listening to you from Sri Lanka. You know, that'd be fun. weird that the uh, the Liberty Anarchy crowd would be interested in hiding their uh, VPN from the government. Yeah, right, you know, huh? There's so any kind of crossover in that venn diagram so strange yeah i don't i don't get it that's <laughs> one of those cognitive dissonance you know I, I i just don't understand but no we're we're really excited for you um we're really excited that you guys have um stuck with us i mean like from our first episode those numbers to what we are averaging now i mean it's been a huge increase and we're so thankful for all of you guys and we cannot stress that Absolutely. enough like you guys made 2021 a fantastic year it was really cool that to watch the numbers continually rise that people that like willingly choose to spend their time listening to Logan and I, that's a pretty, <laughs> it's a, one it strokes our ego because we've always yeah, I, thought that we were really smart, but the- <laughs> I always had to like quarter some poor soul at a bar to spread all my political beliefs. So it's nice that you guys are that outlet for me now that I can yell this into the internet. And I think my uh, girlfriend quite appreciates that as well. I think she was really getting tired of being preached libertarian principles every single day of her life. Definitely have tried to pump the bricks a little bit on that with her, but same here, same <laughs> over here. I think it's I think it's been really good for the for the household over on this side too <laughs> to have to have this outlet. So again, like guys, thank you so much. Um, your continued support means the whole world to us because without you guys, we're literally just two guys talking into the abyss. Um, so we cannot thank you enough 
with all of that being said, please go find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're most active on Instagram at Against the Mob, but you can find us on all three of those sites. Again, our sponsor is PHFP, Public Hangings for Pedophiles. Go give them a listen or go give them um, your, your attention and your support monetarily. Go buy some merch because every dollar that you spend in that store actually goes to a good cause. If you look at something as daunting as human trafficking and you're just like, what the fuck can I do? You can go spend your money at their website and they will donate that money every fiscal quarter to an organization that is actually bringing the fight to that abysmal evil that all of us hate. With all of that being said, um, thank you guys once again for tuning in. We're happy that you're here. We're looking forward to a great 22. And remember, we fight against the mob with people over politics.